Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Welcome to the Sport Faith Life Podcast. Chad Carlson, Brian Bolt here. We are continuing the conversation about the fruits of the Spirit. It's been an enjoyable set of podcast episodes for us to to be able to spend some time thinking about moral values and sports, specifically the moral values listed in the New Testament as the fruits of the Spirit. We've also done a bit of a dive into the seven deadly sins, and this has been uh, in, in my in my mind, Brian, a really a really fun sort of way of getting at something that has some depth to it, but oftentimes isn't directly connected to what we're doing in the world of sport. And it seems to me that there are a lot of the fruits of the spirit that oftentimes just aren't thought of in the world of sport, or if they are thought of, they're not thought of as being positive towards one's performance. I can remember uh, one basketball team that I coached, and at the end of the year banquet. Uh, I, I shared with their families and them that I thought this team embodied the fruits of the Spirit better than any team I had ever coached. And uh, what also came alongside that was it was the worst team, wins and losses-wise, mm. that I had ever coached. And so I think a lot of times there's that separation there. Nevertheless, today we're talking about two particular fruits of the Spirit. We're going to bring them together, uh, and that is goodness and kindness. Now, the hope is that we won't conflate the two. We put them together for timing, and because it seems to make some sense, those two are similar, but we know they're, they're different. So we're going to talk about them a little bit differently here, but uh, we hope to not conflate them too much. If it sounds that way, please uh, give us a, a shout and let us know where you thought we went wrong. So, Brian, today let's start with goodness. And uh, goodness is a word that has a, a broad set of meanings, and certainly we want to be good in sports, or I guess maybe maybe more importantly, we want to be good at sports, right? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Being good in sports maybe uh, is a lower priority. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you know, when you use the word good, you know, it's used so often in so many different ways, right? Uh, and I think we're, for us, when we're talking about goodness, uh, we don't first think about the quality of our play, right? So there's a sense that this is something deeper, maybe something about our character, something about how we behave. But let's not gloss over the idea that goodness could um, be some some level of allegiance to the game itself. Like the idea mm-hmm. that we might uh, do our best or do goodness to the sport by doing it well, which would be an entirely different take. Uh, Even in your opening anecdote, um, a lot of us coaches, when the wins and losses don't stack up, uh, we still want to justify our existence, right? And so we get to (laughs) that end of year banquet and it's time to talk about what a great set of uh, players we have here, men or women, and how their character was uh, so... Uh, so much a part of the season. Uh, it's not untrue that that can be a, the case in a in a season of winning, but it is interesting how we often go there 
And it it uh, it's not untrue that in a in a losing season you it's it, that it's wasted, right? It doesn't feel like it's a, a wasted opportunity. It just feels like well, we we didn't perform in the thing that we were working at, right? And we didn't get it done. So I think for me, goodness is about a certain uprightness, a certain moral quality, but I also want to differentiate it too from just being good, like being pure being uh, without blame for its own sake. I think goodness in this context, uh, much like other fruits of the spirit, has an outward focus. It has an, uh, somebody needs to benefit from it, somebody uh, beyond ourselves, something beyond our own reputation. And so when you start thinking about goodness, it might even be that our reputation could take a hit, that there may actually be some personal risk to goodness when we think about goodness in sport. So for instance, if you have a teammate that you're looking, that needs to be called out for one reason or another, you put yourself at personal risk by intervening, by uh, maybe questioning some behaviors, maybe drawing them back into the group and uh, taking the scorn of that person for a length of time. I think we can think of lots of different ways that we want to do something for the benefit of others within sport that might actually uh, affect our own personal reputation, at least for a while. Uh, and so those are some of the things I think about when I think about goodness. And I, you know, if I push it down into different roles, I can imagine getting hung up on the idea of something for the sake of somebody else being uh, a problem with, like, say, an opponent. So on the surface, we might think the best thing for my opponent would be success, right? So if I'm going to do something good, maybe I should let them win, let them have success. But we, you and I both know that that's not what sport is, nor is it the agreement that we step into when we engage in sport. Essentially, our agreement is to push our opponents, to strive with our opponents with the idea that that advances them as well as advances us. And so I think we could talk about teammates, we could talk about competitors, we could talk about fans, but I do think it helps to put goodness, get goodness outside of ourselves a bit when we break it down. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Uh, so we're called to love Christ and love others. And so how do we, how do, we do that in a, in a goodness sort of way? You, you just identified so many different stakeholders in terms of what goodness means and, and who, who we should be prioritizing in terms of our, our, our goodness and right as goodness being something towards, towards others or something outward about that. I, I, I like how you said that. And I'm wondering how we navigate through some of those issues. You, you mentioned a few, um, a, you alluded to a few examples there of, you know, calling a teammate out in terms of behavior. So that that's, that's something where you put your own reputation at risk by trying to uh, attain or work towards some sort of, of goodness for the team I'm also thinking about, uh, like, say, uh, a call that um, an inaccurate call made by an official that helps your team uh, and, and you go to that official and say, no, actually, I saw it differently and I'm 100 percent sure of that. And so the call is reversed and it goes against your team then. So, you know, you sort of your teammates uh, suffer in some sense from that. In fact, I think I, I heard from uh, one of our keynoters at the second Global Congress. In fact, it was. 
the uh, Calvin women's volleyball coach, Amber Warners, who said that actually she encourages her teammates, or I'm sorry, her, her, her players to, to do that thing. That is, if they know they touched the ball uh, and it went out of bounds and it was called their point, that she would say, you know, he would encourage, she would encourage her, her players to go up to the, to the officials and say, no, actually, I, I touched that. So uh, I'm wondering about a, a situation like that. I, I guess the broader question is how do we, how do we prioritize who, who the goodness should be directed towards? in sport. Hmm. Yeah, you, you raise some challenging questions there, particularly when you start thinking about, and this is where a lot of people go. They think about official calls. They think about like the live moment of sport requires a lot of very quick decisions by officials, by coaches, by athletes. And they're often, I don't know about often, but uh, repeatedly wrong or inaccurate. And we have uh, video replay now to sort of show that just about every sport at a professional level has some level of technology to overcome that human error, that inability to, to see something at the speed at which it happens. And so we have, we've always had the opportunity to make those internal calls. And it's funny if you play and, and Chad, I know you've done this. If you play pickup, or some other version, any kind of sport that doesn't have an official, an external, a person with a, a striped shirt, right? Um, if that happens, then it's all put on the participants to police the space to figure out what has happened. It often gets contentious, but there is a code in that, in, in that space where you respect what's been called uh, you mm -hmm. might contest it a bit, but you're sort of respected and you're re you're required. A, a part of your goodness requirement is to make the correct call, to make the right call. And then in more formal sport, we externalize it entirely, right? We put it off the competitor and we require that the referee makes the call and we stand sort of impartial. We stand away from it and we... <laughs> Uh, we just say, hey, hey, we got to live by the call. Now, I can imagine the ethics in both circumstances are not the exact same. So when you have someone that's responsible for making the call, sometimes undermining that call could do damage to the official. Uh, so to clear your own conscience, you actually make the official uncomfortable or put them in a bad spot. And so I can imagine that we'd have to rework. I know I'm getting technical here, but you have to almost rework the ethics in these two spaces to really think about what's the right, what's the good move here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're throwing that to me. I, I, I was, I was enjoying listening to what you had to say, but <laughs> I had, uh, I, I, I wanted to set that, tee that one up, but, uh, you step up there and, and knock that down the middle of the fairway, would you? Uh, fairway, uh, a place I'm, I rarely am when I'm golfing. The, um, you know, when, when we're talking about how to display goodness in some of those settings, I'm thinking about, um, the ways in which, at least I'm thinking about my own sort of moral development when I'm playing sports where there is an external adjudicator, a referee, right, or an umpire, somebody wearing a striped shirt or, or a unique color that indicates that they're in charge of making calls. Um, think about the way that in which, you know, having that external um, power entity uh, 
may may detract from our moral development, I suppose. I mean, the example of pickup basketball, especially, was, was I would say that's been the most formative for me in terms of sporting moral development, because you have to you have to do the the, the right thing in order for the game to continue. It's so it's so much easier for for people to quit if it doesn't go well or right, or if there's not goodness being displayed. And so, um, th- those are definitely fertile grounds for for moral development. The idea of, of when I think about goodness from an ethics standpoint, I mean the word that comes to my mind is beneficence that a lot of ethicists use. So so we're tr- and the root of that word is is good, right? Coming from the Latin, but the idea is is that we would be doing things that would benefit. Uh, and that that there will be beneficiaries of of our particular actions or decisions made, and so um, I, I guess that would get us even further down the line to thinking about this from an ethical perspective. We could bring in other ethical theories to determine what would be the the best thing, you know, or the goodest thing that we could be doing in certain situations, and and that could get us contentious, and we could spend an entire you know season of a podcast talking about all of that. But I guess suffice it to say that. We're thinking about ways in which what we're doing can benefit the the setting where we are. And we can break it down into stakeholders, of course, but we can also, I think, at times say, well, what's best for, to get back to your original point, what's what's good for, for the game and for the circumstance of, of where we are here, right? And and there there are generally codes that, that ought to be respected. There are generally uh, uh, opponents that we have that are humans. There are teammates that we have that are humans. There are coaches that we have that are humans. There are players. There are spectators that are all humans and deserve to be treated as such. Uh, and so we would hope that our ability to to make decisions and to behave would would be indicative of us thinking about benefiting the situation where we are and the humans that are involved. You know, what's really interesting is it's easy to get quickly uh, almost pharisaical when we start using words like codes uh, mm-hmm. and, and mores. And, <laughs> and, and so I think that would be a good reminder to us that there are codes, that there are ways to do things. There are uh, traditions. Um, there's opportunities for us to, to um sort of fall in line and do things as would be expected. But when Jesus roamed the earth, he often just threw those away. And I don't know about throwing those away, but he he confounded people by taking a different path. And a lot of his parables would lead people in a certain direction. And I think I, I get the sense that they were listening going, yeah, 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 no. Right? Um <laughs> You know, you've got uh, the Samaritan, right, who there's a uh, somebody gets beaten up and thrown to the side and then people start walking past. Right. And it turns out that the the people who knew the codes, the people that knew exactly what the right protocol was in that space and time were really the targets of that parable, were the people that um, Jesus was making a point about. And so I, I do think it would be easy for us to take an easy road and cling to or even hide behind certain codes. And I think the example that Jesus gives us about goodness uh, will often deviate from what the world says is right in this space. And I think that that's pro- maybe a good thing to keep in mind about goodness is it has an unexpected uh, benevolence 
beneficence uh, for others, and I think um, could be unconventional and and may violate the codes, even the right practices of the day. And I think that as uh, coaches and athletes, pe- people that participate in sport, we're so bound by codes, right? We're so bound by mm-hmm. rules. We're so round by protocols. And I think it's good for us to step back uh, and be ready to step in in a way that uh, really confounds the people that are around us uh, for the goodness of the game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I I, I love how you describe that. Uh, yes, yes. You know, Jesus followers, you know, the Pharisees are also, yes, yes. No, not, not, <laughs> not that at all. And I, I, I think that's so important for us. And I think part of the codes that our sports are driven by have to do with fairness and, uh, and I would say sort of competitive equity. And one of the things that really sticks out in my mind from when I was a college athlete is that we had a president of our college at the time that would uh, uh, that essentially acted also as the athletic director, wanted sort of a hands-on president, wanted to be, and, and had a sports background. And, and so whenever so many of our coaches would would argue for, um, you know, we need we need this, we need that. The other school has this, you know, the other school has that. We don't have it. This puts us at a disadvantage. And and his response, which was pretty countercultural in the world of sport, was, you're right, it puts you at a disadvantage. But you know what? Just go out and win anyways. I'm not going to give you that thing. I, I don't think it's right for us to do that. And part of it was, you know, uh, extending seasons to sort of non-traditional um, uh, uh, months of the year in order to protect the sort of the, the person, the personal life of the coaches or um, competition on Sundays. You know, some of these things where the coaches would say, well, this puts us at a huge disadvantage. And he would say, you're right, it does just go win anyways. And so it was sort of like bucking the code. And I, that's always stuck with me as something that, I, I, I really resonated uh, with me that, you know what, let's, why, are, why would we be afraid of being put at a disadvantage when, when we serve a God that's all-powerful and all-knowing? And it doesn't mean that we're going to be the best team necessarily, and we might actually be in a, at a disadvantage, but there's something special about trying to win without even feeling like you have to follow the codes in order to ensure that there is competitive equi- equity on your own behalf. So that's always kind of, kind of stuck with me. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Uh, and I think you, your president was on to something, and it's it's the kind of thing that plays out over and over again, not just at those uh, larger organizational levels, but also in families where you're making decisions about uh, how your children participate, the advantages or disadvantages that you try to seek in sport and the way they're perceived. And so that's one of the things, even with my team, um, I'll just acknowledge straight off, like comparison really is, and we'll get to this when we get to envy, another uh, deadly sin. But the, that sort of comparison uh, never moves your, your own heart in a good direction. And so to be able to uh, have a, that larger vision, that larger picture, where there may even be some... Uh, intentional unfairness, even directed at yourself, where you're setting uh, a, one ethic or um, principle ahead of another. And in that case, uh, we still participate. We still engage in sport and we do it hopefully with joyful hearts and uh, with this idea that, that goodness can be uh, a pillar that we hang on to in the midst of it. 
I wonder, mm-hmm. Chad, if we could, uh, we're, we're just scratching the surface on goodness. Let's transition and talk about kindness. And it would be easy, like you said, to conflate these two. It almost seems like, you know, as we described goodness, it's being good to others, which feels somewhat like kindness. And I think we can differentiate the two uh, as we think about them. And I want to think about, see if we can take this down a slightly different road and try to determine spaces where uh, kindness may be called for in sport. And I have some thoughts in my head, but I want to start with you. Would you be able to think of places where sport would uh, call for kindness? Yeah. Yes. I, I think that there are times and I'm going to, I'm going to get to that. But let me start with, um, with a moment in my own history where I think it was not called for. Uh, and this was a, a very formative moment for me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably middle school. I don't know, maybe I'm 12, 11, 12, something like that playing uh, sort of municipal tennis. We, we had this really robust municipal tennis program where kids would go to the city courts every day and you'd, you'd play lessons in the morning and then you'd, you'd bring a lunch and you'd eat lunch and then you'd play in sort of an intramural type setting in the afternoon. And this one particular afternoon, I'm paired up playing. We'd play one set up to six games. I'm paired up with a kid that I know. He's, he, we're not really friends, but our families know each other. I know him. Um, we're, we're similar athletes, but I think I'm, I'm a better athlete than him. And so we're playing, I'm playing well, I'm up 5-0 in this, uh, you know, recreational setting and we're going to six games. And, uh, over the course of those five games, I just see him just sort of lose. He's just, he's losing it. He's a little, Mm -hmm. a little bit younger than me. I think maybe one grade younger than me and, um, doesn't have a real strong sort of emotional ability to overcome, uh, difficulties in sport. And so he's, he's sulking more and more and he's crying by the end of these five games and, and I'm serving the sixth game and I can close it out, but I'm just thinking, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna lose this game. And, and I think that'll be really like, I think that'll show kindness to, to him. He, he won't know it, but that w- that'll make him feel better. So it'll be a kind thing for me to do. And I was, I was a kind kid. So I lose, <laughs> I lose the game. I, uh, I, I tank it in, in tennis, you know, parlance. And, uh, uh, so I lose that one. The next one, the next game, so he's serving. Uh, I, I lose that one also. Uh, you know where the story is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third game, then I lose that one as well. And I lose and I lose and I can't get back on track. Hmm. And all of a sudden, before I know it, he has beaten me 7-5 in this set. And I was up 5-0 and I just thought, you know what? I'll just take my foot off the gas to be kind to him. And I sort of vowed to myself at that moment, you know what? Kindness has no place in sports. <laughs> I am I am never going to do that again. Ah. And I'll never forget that story. And, you know, it even was in the back of my mind last night as I'm coaching my son's Little League team and we're up by a lot, not quite mercying the other team. But, you know, I'm just thinking, boy, I, I don't, I don't want to give in here because I don't know if this is a big enough lead. You know, anything could happen. Of course, it's going back to, you know, 30 years ago, that, that one particular time. So I think... You know, in terms of kindness, I, I, I've never, and I guess as I've gotten older, I've been able to maybe philosophically justify the fact that we don't need to be kind to our, our opponents by letting off the gas, that in fact, that at times would be unkind to them. But I do think that there are there are ways in which we can show kindness by by showing generosity. And again, it doesn't have to be by by playing any worse or, or, or any less, but I'm thinking of times at which... Um, 
you know, were able to sort of uh, offer some feedback to to uh, opponents in a, in a loving way, in a helpful way. There's kindness there. I'm thinking about Jesse Owens and, and the German uh, uh, long jumper, Lutz Long, who, who um, after Jesse Owens in the 1936 Olympics had faulted his first two attempts at the long jump, you know, Luz Long came up to him and said, well, why don't you pick a spot six inches before the, um, before the, 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 the board. what do you call that? The board, before the board, and then, and then let that drive sort of where you're, where you're taking off from. And it worked and Jesse Owens won the gold medal. And, you know, there's, there's a great deal of, I think, um, kindness there. And I, so I think that's a, that's a type of thing where, uh, you know, we can, we don't have to, uh, require that our opponents don't show excellence for us to show excellence. And so what's keeping us from being kind to our opponents by offering, you know, thoughts and suggestions related to, you know, them being able to, to, uh, uh, produce good play or to do well. Um, I guess I'm, I'm assuming that golf would be, um, a fertile ground for that. I don't know. Is that the type of kindness that you were thinking of as you asked the question? It was, I, I, I actually immediately went to that same type of circumstance that your story so clearly uh, portrayed and for you to have a moment in your life that uh, gave you such a lesson. I mean, you can imagine that happening, but maybe you winning in the end. But in this Mm -hmm. case, you didn't, uh, which left quite a mark on you as you think about how that works. But, you know, in a competitive space, there's always um, the possibility that somebody recognizes somebody else's pain, right? The vulnerability of the moment, the sadness of the moment, uh, it may be um, perceived as justified, right? Okay, you didn't prepare well, you're losing your cool, uh, but there is a empathy that comes for the competitor that we can't and shouldn't turn off. Um, And that uh, may result in the like we think about running up the score, things like that, right? Uh, where it's roundly condemned in the sporting world to to run up the score because there is a sense that there is just great vulnerability on one side, and that the outcome is determined. Now, you gave us an example of why we justify in our own minds not to do that, but. There are clearly circumstances where you have an option, you have a choice to, especially in really lopsided matchups, where you have a choice to either bring the, the, the hammer down hard or lay off and allow you know, the other person or the other team uh, some relief right, in that moment. So I, I think of those things. I think of kindness really as... Uh, that sort of tender moment, that uh, a bruised reed, it says in Isaiah, uh, he will not break, and a, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. And in both of those cases, you can see um, like damage, and there's damage happening. And the idea is that we need to be really careful where damage is happening. And I guess I see kindness working that way in sport. Jesus seemed to have... Uh, unusual, make unusual choices based on a kindness, uh, uh, healing. He seemed compelled to heal because he didn't heal everyone. He seemed compelled to heal at certain times. He he made you know water into wine it, because of uh, like a frustrated moment. Uh, so a response 
that just leads with our humanity, that leads with that level of kindness in in a sporting environment. There's lots of opportunity to be kind. I'm, so you asked specifically about golf. It's it's really interesting because time is generally not a factor in golf. It's not a split second thing, right? You're you're moving along. Everybody takes their turn to hit their shots, and so you get to see things unfold in real time, and you have opportunities to respond in particular ways. I do see quite a bit. Um, like players will will search really hard to find another person's ball. Or they won't. And and I often will say to like my teammates, like the last thing you want to do maybe is to take your focus off your own shot and go into that hay field and look for somebody's ball. But that's an act of kindness. That's that is because if you're over there, I mean often it's it there's a sense of reciprocal you hope to get it back. But also just even if you don't, right? You, your your idea here is that go find it for them. It's gonna help their score but go find it for them. Um, and so, and I want you to do it with uh, genuineness. And sometimes, you know, I would, I, I'll encounter players that won't, you know, they'll, they'll pretend to look right. So those, some of those things will happen. Uh, you know what happens. So there are, there are real moments of kindness that can happen on a golf course that aren't required, uh, but they are, they can be character building or, uh, faith forming in that process. You know, that seems to me to be analogous to what we'd see in a contact sport of like helping someone up off the ground. You knock them down, you help them up off the ground. That certainly isn't required. Although there might be codes that would say, hey, you should do that. Nevertheless, when, when we see particular teams, I'm thinking of contact sports like American football, you know, most specifically, um, it's just... It, it's a pretty welcome sight, I, at least to me, to see, you know, one team uh, players, you know, helping the other team up. And I think that's something that can be coached into guys like there's in, in terms of like thinking about kindness as as a behavior that is doing kind things. There are certainly ways in which coaches, um, other adults in, in athletes lives, something, you know, parents, for instance, can you know, can, can reinforce or incentivize those types of behaviors that this isn't, or, or make those expectations. We expect that you will do this. We expect that you will do that. Um, that may not be the best way to, you know, to, to sort of develop moral character, but I think getting into habitual actions certainly does. So, right. So we could, you know, you could, you could explain what's going on here and you could logic your way or philosophize your way to getting your, your players to think, yeah, we, we should do that. That is a good thing. Or it, there's just another thing where a coach or an adult could just say, you know what, you're going to do this. Knock the kid down, help the kid up. Um, opponent can't find their ball, go help them find their ball, right? We get into habits, and then and then that's actually where the fruit comes from is us doing certain things over and over again, right? And so kindness in, in that way uh, is how it is definitely a fruit. It grows as a fruit when we do it over and over again. That's something that comes from, from the roots uh, underneath, something that, that grows within. Yeah, and I think when we consider the kindness of God, we we started with love, right? When we talked about these fruits of the Spirit, and we started with love, and it's really hard to separate kindness from love. But in, in the way that you described it, you can imagine being kind, but not being loving or showing kindness without having the root of love. 
And of course, right. what we're hoping for is a authentic kindness, uh, a, an actual desire to to uh, step in when a person is down or vulnerable, and uh, be the person that uplifts, be the person that that shows kindness in the midst when a person really needs it. And I think some people are really quite good at this. They they just know when a kind word, when a kind action will uh, reinvigorate a person and uh, re-engage a person. Uh, and I think that that's a, that's a gift of the spirit, right? We All of these things are gifts of the spirit that um, we're, we're grateful to receive and grateful to pass on when we think about even salvation itself is an act of kindness toward humanity. It's an act of love, of course, but it's an act of kindness uh, because humanity is in a dire straight state. And uh, this is an opportunity to show, to for God to show kindness to humanity. And so I think um, sport gives us lots of ways to think about kindness. And when we really engage in it day to day, it's probably going to be specific to each sport. Like there's a moment, there are things that will carry over, particularly the, the, the person losing or the person frustrated or struggling. We Maybe a good reminder would be to keep an eye out for that thing. The trick as you started us uh, on this on this road is, is for us to be able to show kindness without uh, sacrificing the integrity of the game being played a real challenge or maybe it is maybe the integrity of the game is not the greatest thing in that moment yeah i think you're i think that's a good question we should be asking ourselves and and i think the answer that theologically would have to come to is that no the game is not the greatest thing at that at that moment but it might be something that's very important and and important to us and there might be ways of of showing kindness without having to to give up on striving for competitive excellence. I would certainly think that that's the case. And I think no sport uh, has such a setting that that um, showing excellence competitively and being kind are mutually exclusive. I just don't don't see that at all. Possibly what would be considered sort of combat sports. I'm thinking maybe hmm. of something like uh, mixed martial arts. But I don't want to lump all mixed martial arts in together. I do, uh, nevertheless, that, that's sort of my my point is. I think in in many of the sports in which we participate and spectate, there's no rule that says that you can't be kind to <laughs> to, to your opponent, even in the midst of trying to beat them at the game at hand. And so that seems to be uh, maybe a, a pretty important takeaway. And uh, friendships can and should develop even among among opponents. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Well, I think we have, uh, like Fruits of the Spirits in the past, we have uh, answered some questions and generated a lot more. And so this has been fun to walk through these two, Fruits of the Spirit, goodness and kindness. We will continue this series next time with A Deadly Sin. Thanks for listening to Sport Faith Life, and we look forward to connecting again soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. 
follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life.